really it. It's, it's, it's not really like, Hey, get in the box. Hey, get on the rubber and throw the pitch. It's more the philosophy of how the game is played. That's, that's, it, it's not the length of the, if they were, if, if you, if I could sit down and watch a three hour baseball game where it was nonstop action, who cares how long it goes for it's, it's creating the action within the game. Welcome to the latest episode of the Sawyer Business School Amplification Avenue podcast presented by Suffolk University. This is Skip Perham from the marketing program at Suffolk University in Boston. And I'm happy to bring you another conversation about the convergence of sports business, the media and society. With today's episode, we're going to go a little bit on the lighter side, but as always, we're going to try to dig into the broader context. And today we're going to talk about the future of baseball with someone that I know who really loves the game. And I love the game of baseball. It's the game I played the most as a kid. Um, it's exceedingly hard to play and play well. It's like golf. You need to play it a lot in order to really, really get good at it. You can't, in my opinion, start playing baseball in high school as Tom Brady did as a football player and expect or anticipate being the greatest of all time. I think it's exceedingly hard. It's that difficult of a game, but I know Jared loves the game and Jared just joined recently DraftKings. Um, for more background, he's the host of the baseball is dead podcast. So you can check that out. Uh, baseball and dead baseball is dead quote unquote laughs in the face of those who have prematurely called baseball dead. I first met Jared back in the early 2000s when I was at NBC Sports Boston, then Comcast Sportsnet, and we started a new baseball show called The Baseball Show. Great name. Um, and we did this feature called Web Sox Nation. It was actually a feature that I created, and, and the objective with that feature was to get these young crop of bloggers, baseball bloggers, on the show so they would talk about the show, and we would in a way build them up as well. Uh, Jared was one of the very first guests on that feature. Uh, that show is no longer on, but I, I thought it was pretty novel at the time. And again, these baseball bloggers, I think we're at the future of fandom for baseball. And so that's where I think Jared really fits in. I would call him a baseball futurist because I think he loves the game and cares about it. So while I would not call baseball dead, if you love the game as I do, as Jared does, I think you have the right, the duty, yada, 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 whatever you want to call it, to ask, is the game of baseball doing all that it can to make sure it's satisfying the needs and wants of the next generation of fan? I'm 51 years old. I'm baseball's past, whether I want to admit it or not, but my lifetime value to baseball is insignificant compared to my son who's 18, who won't sit and watch a full game but plays the show, loves fantasy. Um, we have different needs and wants. Is baseball doing everything that it can to meet the needs and wants of today's consumer? That's the essence of marketing, understanding what the consumer wants and then filling that need. So again, I see, I see Jared as a baseball futurist and I'm very interested in his take. Jared, welcome to the Amplification Avenue podcast. Thank you for having me. <clears throat> First, I wanna, I wanna make a confession. Uh, when we did the Web Sox Nation segment, that was the first time I had ever done anything that was radio, TV, anything public like that. <clears throat> and I believe that the uh, the topics or the questions were sent to us beforehand, 
And I was so nervous that I typed out my response. And then when it was my turn to speak, I read it yeah. on the phone. That's, you had a script? Yeah. Yes, I had a script that I followed. I did not know what I was doing and I didn't want to be caught off guard. So I was like, I'm just going to type this out. So I did. Well, it was a, um, you're not the first person in the, in the media and I will, I will drop his name, uh, Albert Breer who um, credited Comcast Sportsnet as being his first opportunity to be on air, on TV, whatever it is. Um, so look, that's a big part of it, right? As, mm -hmm. as, a, as a media outlet, sort of a traditional old line media outlet that cable TV is, we needed to get younger. We needed younger fans. And, and you as a blogger at that time, and you're much, much more than that now, um, you were at the forefront of it. We needed to get you to watch our programming. And um, so it was, I'm glad you participated and look, you've gone upwards and, and onward from that. And, and let's talk about that very first. Talk to me about the move to DraftKings and the Baseball is Dead podcast and other so, things that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm doing a lot right now. <clears throat> the move to DraftKings um, was kind of a perfect fit. Uh, my contract was up at Barstool Sports. Uh, I wanted the chance to kind of prove myself in, in a couple of different ways. First and foremost, in the gambling space, I wasn't really afforded the opportunity to kind of take the reins from a gambling perspective. And, and that's a big part of it, you know, that ties into the marketing aspect. You know, as we see, um, as we see, I guess, more and more states legalizing sports betting, that's a way to kind of draw in people that are like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't care about like regional, like outside my marketing or outside my market area baseball. It's like, all right, well, what if, what if you got some skin in the game? What if you've got a three leg parlay going on in, in mm -hmm. San Diego versus the Cincinnati Reds? Like you're, you're going to tune into that. Um, so I think that that's part of it. Um, also just, you know, I think with, with Barstool, you know, Dave Portnoy is such a big <clears throat> media figure and he's the reason why Barstool is as big as it is. And, you know, eventually I, I was almost there for a decade you want to know, like, can I, can I do this on my own? Like, can I do this yeah. without the backing of, of the brand? Can I, can I go out on my own and, and still be a name in the baseball space? And so far the answer has been a pretty resounding yes. So that's been, that's been pretty satisfying to be able to do. And uh, you know, the baseball is dead podcast is it was kind of uh, the vision that we had for the previous show. Um but with less of a generic name, like we wanted to have a little bit more edge to it. Like we wanted uh, the name of the show to be a brand that had a, a message in like starting nine was just like a generic yeah, name yeah. that we had before. Um, but baseball is dead is more just our way of saying like, you know, we're tired of hearing people say it. And if you're going to say it, then you're going to be plugging our show while you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I, and listening to uh, that first episode, uh, one, uh, we, Jared and I share a hometown. We're both from Saugus, Massachusetts. Uh, interestingly enough, David Portnoy is from Swampskit, so he's yes. on the North Shore. And um, DraftKings, your new employer is Boston-based. So good to see someone from the area uh, stay local and, and build it from here. And, and DraftKings obviously is, um, I wouldn't call, they're, they're a new content uh, provider, and, and that's what this space demands. And uh, gambling um, and fantasy are are very prevalent in baseball let's face it right rotisserie baseball was the original fantasy sport at least as far as i know and i played rotisserie when there wasn't the internet so you were doing it by paper and tracking it in the newspaper and all that shit um and then we obviously know the history of gambling and, and baseball so um 
those are obviously huge points of engagement for today's fan. So I think that's great. And, and, and it's really, really, um, really good. Uh, so let's get in. Let's talk about the future of baseball. We've got labor peace. Um, we're a full month into the season. The Red Sox stink. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you share it, uh, but that's immaterial to today's discussion. Uh, I know you follow baseball at all levels. You'll talk to people in Japan. You'll talk to people in college, probably high school. How would you describe the state of baseball at all levels right now? Um, I think the game is uh, outside of the obvious labor issues that that happened this past offseason. Um, I think the game is in a good spot uh, in terms of uh, revenue generated. They're doing great, better than ever. That, that's why that's why it's kind of confusing when you know you have these. Uh, I guess, disputes between the union and the owners. And it's like, there's plenty of money to go around. Like you can talk about the average age of a baseball fan going up and up and up and trying to get younger and that being an issue and marketing your stars and things of that nature. But in terms of revenue generated, they're doing better than ever every single year. And that's why, you know, we have these, these labor issues is because the players are like, Hey, we want, we want our piece of the pie. Um, So I guess it's kind of a catch 22 that, you could look at it as baseball is, is flourishing from a revenue generation uh, standpoint, but in terms of uh, are they fairly compensating their players? Uh, you know, are they incentivizing um, teams enough to, to actually compete? Is there parity? Is the competitive balance where you want it to be? Those are different questions. <clears throat> um but yeah, I think I think we're kind of getting there. I think it's it's a slow process in terms of like, you know, are, are, is baseball in the best position that it can be in? No, no, I don't think it's in the best position that it can be in. But I think that that strides are being made every single year. Um, it, it, attempts are being made from from a let's get younger standpoint. I don't know that they're overly successful yet in those yep. attempts, like doing the. Uh, like putting Friday two two games a week on Friday nights are going on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're putting games on YouTube, and it's like, well, that's where the kids are. Like, but it's you know you, you got to do it right. Like I've seen some of these Apple broadcasts, and like this stinks. It's just yeah. not good, you know. Uh, so if you're gonna do it, you got to do it right. So it's it's there's been a lot of right concept, poor execution. Um, but it's, you know, a lot of it is, is the first year, the first month, first few weeks of, of these ideas. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think that the, the big thing that baseball fans complain about and rightfully so is the, the, the blackouts, you know, if, if I'm a Red Sox fan and I live in Boston where the Red Sox are Mm -hmm. and I'm out and about and I want to watch the Red Sox on my phone, which is where all these kids are the game is blacked out. If I don't have, like, if I have Nesson, I can watch it on cable. Uh, if I want to stream it to my phone, now that's an issue. So um, if I'm on my laptop and I want to go to the library to do some homework and I want to watch the Red Sox, it's an issue. So uh, yeah, I think that that's something that ultimately will have to be addressed. I know that A-Rod went on ESPN and he had his, his list of things to improve the game. And I was like, where, where is lifting the blackouts on there? Like like that feels to me, like if I buy MLB TV 
Maybe I'm a gambler. Maybe I'm a fantasy baseball guy. But you would imagine that if someone is paying for a service, that there has to be a way, like charge an extra $50 if you want in market. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there has to be a price that can be met so that people who want to watch their team in, in, in market can, can do that. So if I'm a cable subscriber here, and I am, you know, I'm, I'm 50, so I'm still in that cable. Um, I am the cable generation. Look, I remember when MTV started and they played music and the dawn of ESPN. So mm -hmm. that was, um, cable was a disruptive technology. And in some ways I think it still is, but people would argue that. But if I, so I have Nesson now, you're telling me that I can't stream it on the Nesson app by authenticating my cable subscription if I'm out of the house? I'm pretty, I mean, I was, I was at Fenway <clears throat> with my dad uh, last week and he wanted to watch the Bruins. And I think he put like the, the Nesson app or the Xfinity app and like you have to yeah. be connected to your home Wi-Fi. Huh. To, it's like you could stream it on your phone, but you have to also be home. And if you're home and you have cable, why wouldn't you just watch yeah, it on no, your TV? That, that makes no sense. And it sounds like they're about 10 years behind because we were streaming Boston Celtics games 10 years ago. Just authenticate, you know, go through the firewall and prove that you're paying for the cable subscription and you can watch it wherever you are. You're paying mm -hmm. for it. You should be able to take it wherever you go. So I wonder whether that's a Nesson thing. Or maybe it's a baseball thing, and and I think you're dead right there. If 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 that's the case, then look, you're you're not you're you're defeating the value of of cable, and they're fighting on their own to put some numbers on what you were talking about earlier in terms of uh, the health of the game, uh, just to quantify things so our listeners know. Um, and you know, this is from research that I've done. You know, Major League Baseball right now, the um, an average spot. A 30-second spot in the World Series will cost an advertiser about $330,000. Uh, in comparison, Thursday night football, which is the worst game of the week in football, will cost you about $780,000. This is just to give you a, you know, a comparison in numbers. Um, total Major League advertising spending was $960 million. I'm not sure if that was last year or 2019, the, first, the last pre-pandemic um, year. Uh, the NBA took in about 1.7 billion in ad spending. So certainly there is tons of money coming in. Is it as much as other leagues? We could talk about that, but that's a different story. Tons of money coming in, lots of, there's a big pie to divide up. We should never really be fighting about money because that does ultimately come down to greed. So I'm with you there. Um, some other numbers, the, the Aspen Institute uh, indicates that 12% of kids 6 to 12 play baseball, 8.7% of 13 to 17 year olds play baseball. Those numbers have dropped, but participation in all sports have dropped. Um, so this mirrors a decline everywhere. Kids are not playing as many sports as they, they used to, as maybe you did, as maybe I did. What can baseball do, do you think, to improve participation at the lower levels and get kids playing the game so they become lifetime fans of the game in theory? An interesting question. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know that there's anything that they can. I don't know that there's one thing that they can do. Um, I think that uh, like the student nines, that's more of like a young fan attendance thing more so than a young people participation <clears throat> in youth baseball thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the Red Sox doing the student nines thing has been great because um, you know, it gives the, the younger fans access to affordable tickets, you know, you, for, for the Red Sox specifically, it's the, it's the most expensive ticket, uh, in baseball. I don't know if you start making, uh, 
like tickets for you would have to get owner participation. They would have to actually care about getting younger, like youth fans into ballparks. Yeah. But making those tickets more affordable because I'm sure that there are plenty of average American families out there that would love to be able to take their kids to the ballpark, but they can't afford it. Like I know that I fell in love with baseball, not by playing T-ball. It was because like my dad would take me to Fenway and yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, I, I want to do like, you know, when you're a kid, you think like, Oh, if I just stick with it, I can play in the big leagues. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, I hated it at first. Like I remember, um, like my dad used to have to bribe me with uh, like pink lemonade. He'd be like, yeah, if you stick through the whole T-ball practice, you know, we'll, we'll make pink lemonade when you go home. And I'm like, all right, fine. Wow. I'll do it for the pink lemonade. Not even ice cream. No. <laughs> so yeah, I mean like that's, I think it would be something like that where, yeah, you, you know, kids a certain age and under are like the, wherever, like the tickets are just more affordable or there's like a kid's section and, yeah. Cause that was part of it. Like too, growing up with, with little league baseball was that was how you made friends. Like mm -hmm. all my, all my childhood friends were at one point, little league teammates, you yeah. know, like you play on the same team, you play, you play against each other all the time. Um, so yeah, I don't know if they do like a kid's section. There has to be something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, well, let because, me interrupt here. Saga's sure. national or American. American. I was on the Yankees. All right. American. Yeah. Whatever happened to that kid who was the 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 big dog with the Saugus American team that went to the World Series? What happened to him? What was his name? Uh, Full Moon Muldoon. That was uh, <laughs> that was Matt Muldoon. And then they had uh, Mike Scazzarella was the little one. Yeah. And when we got to the big diamond, he just lost it. But in Little League, he was a stud. Same uh, as me, man. 13 year old <laughs> Babe Ruth was a killer. I could yeah. not adjust to the big yeah. diamond. That was the end of my career for yeah. sure. Yeah. Those kids were actually, th those kids are really good. They were, they finished second in the country and fourth in the world. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, that, that, that's, that's, um, that is cool. Um, I always joke with my students about the, the student nines and I never thought about let's offer it to little league kids as a student nine. And I say, why do you think they offer it to college students, the student nines? And they're like, well, they want to get the younger generation, all that. And I don't disagree with that. But if you're 21 years plus um, and you're a student, you're going to spend a lot more on alcohol and they're going to make up that ticket um, through alcohol sales than they are than marketing it to me as the 55 plus uh, who's probably not drinking as much or, or the 13 year old. So I get it. And I had the same experience. My grandfather used to take me every year, every September, we'd sit by the pesky pole and for whatever reason, we always saw the Tigers, always saw the Tigers in September for my birthday. So huh. I just remember that and that those bonding experiences are critical um, to the game. Uh, let's talk about uh, the, the structure of the game. And this is where I think it's really hard for baseball to make improvements that ultimately are going to make it palatable for a younger consumer. Uh, this is based up from baseball reference in, in this year, 2022 games are raging from two hours and 59 minutes to three hours and 12 minutes. Only the Detroit Tigers are under three hours. Um, and that was as of yesterday. So I don't know if that has changed. Um, assuming pace of play is detrimental to any sport, not just baseball. 
Um, what is Major League Baseball doing to improve the pace of play in 2022 or beyond? And is it working, Jared, in your opinion? Here's the thing about pace of play in baseball. Um, I don't know that there's a real solution to this because we've seen them experiment with things in like the Atlantic League. <clears throat> we've seen the pitch clock and, uh, you know, they'll call you'll see it happen to both. Like you'll see a ball get called on the pitcher because he didn't throw a pitch fast enough, or you'll see a strike get called on the batter. Cause he didn't get back in the box fast enough. Um, I guess things like that help in a way, but it's every baseball game is still going to come in right around like three hours. Like, yeah. Are you going to tell some 12 year old kid like, Hey, MLB went from an average of three hours and 12 minutes to two hours and, and 48 minutes. Now, now are you going to watch I'd be like, well, what's the difference to a yeah. kid, you know, or, or to anybody really uh, the, the length of games are pretty similar to NFL games. It's just that there are significantly fewer NFL games. So the importance is, is heightened and it means more. So you're, and it's on Sunday when no one else is doing anything. So you're more, right. and it's cold outside. So you're going to be on your couch and baseball. There's so many games. So it's hard to have super uh, importance attached to, to one singular game. And, and a bulk of the season is during the summer when people are out and they're doing things and they're, they're traveling and they're, they're outside doing their own, living their own lives. So that's, that's what they're up against. I don't think that you can fix those things. And, you know, I, do I want them to, to make the schedule shorter? No. I mean, I, I, I like the fact that they play every single night. Like that's mm -hmm. like comforting to me. It's, it's uh, you know, and that's why I, I, I kind of tie this back into why people are still upset about the Don Orsillo situation. Like that's been what, six, seven years now at this point. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and people are still upset about it because you know, when you watch baseball every single night, that person is being welcomed into your home. They become a part of the fabric of, of your existence and yeah. you get used to that. So yeah, I don't know that there's really a solution to the pace of play because the other factor here is that as we continue to have analytics and uh, different ways of training, training methods, uh, the players are just better. So I, I don't think it's so much that the games are too long. I think that there's almost too much time in between action. Like you're, mm -hmm. you're sitting there and you're hoping for uh, like a double or a stolen base or a home run. And it's like, you, you'll get a couple of those a game, but for the most part, you, every single relief pitcher is throwing 95 plus mm -hmm. and you have the hitters that are like, yeah, I could, I guess I could hit, you know, 280 with like a, like a 800 OPS or whatever, but I'm going to try and like, I, I know that I'm going to get paid more if I hit 240, but I hit more home runs. Right. Right. Yeah. So like they're seeing all this money being spent in free agency with certain guys. And it's like, yeah, if I hit more home runs, I'll get paid more. So yeah. you have guys swinging more freely at pitches that have more movement than ever. And that's really it. It's, it's, it's not really like, Hey, get in the box. Hey, get on the rubber and throw the pitch. It's more the philosophy of how the game is played. That's, that's, it, it's not the length of the, if they were, if, if you, if I could sit down and watch a three hour 
baseball game where it was nonstop action. Who cares how long it goes for? It's, it's creating the action within the game. That's really the issue. It's, yeah, I think you're right. And um, having, knowing nothing about cricket, uh, there does seem to be a, an incredible amount of action in that sport. And those matches can go like for days. Yeah. But for some reason, people want to pay billions of dollars to bring it to countries where it's not going to be played. Um, and I'm not saying there's momentum behind cricket and there's no momentum behind baseball, but it, sometimes it seems like that if, you're, if you look at the marketing of sports in general. Um, do, so you don't favor shortening the season and maybe increasing the playoffs, like cutting it down to 142 games and increasing the playoffs to increase the weight of the, the individual games um, and then lengthen the time when people really are tuned in the playoffs. And obviously not every team is in the playoffs, so not every market would be, but um, would, if there was that kind of, you know, shift, would you be in favor of that? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the hockey playoffs go on forever. Uh, and people always say, oh yeah, the Stanley cup playoffs are, it's the most entertaining of, of any of the four major sports. And it's probably the longest I would imagine. Um, so yeah, I, I could get behind something like that. Uh, if uh, you know, you do see some really exciting division races in the month of September that would now essentially be decided, uh, in August. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess it takes away from that, but if, if I were, if I weren't such like a diehard baseball fan, I would be standing here and the logic would be, listen, if you can't decide who the best team is after 140 games, like right, give me a right. break. Right. Right. Like, exactly. You, you got the NBA is what, like 81, 82. Yeah. Uh, no, they're 82. And I, and I think there's a chance that they may shorten their season as well Yeah, and work in these, tournament these champion league like tournaments and i don't know how exactly it works but i almost feel like there's a movement for all of these leagues except the nfl and again you're right it's played once a week it's a it's not a big time suck in terms of you the consumer it's perfectly right. formatted in that way baseball is a grind and it's sort of um for me it was always almost background noise when i was in the car the game was on period end of story if i'm in the house the game's on and it's just there. Sometimes I sit and watch it. Um, would you consider, and this is my only big idea, and I think this would be heresy for a lot of baseball fans, purists, um, but the game is played uh, this way in, in Little League or Babe Ruth, games shortening them to seven innings and then going to nine for the playoffs. Um, I think the, the pitching would be better because it'd be less taxing. Sure, the stats would be down, but I think that would cut an hour off of the game. Um, and I don't know that you would lose that much. But again, I think a lot of purists would say never. No. So for me, it's less of a of a purist thing as much as it is a philosophy thing. Right. Like if you have seven inning games, um, that changes the record books. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you have an entirely different era. So it's like, yeah, you know, like you like for, for hitting records, it's like, yeah, well, I had less opportunities because I played when there were seven inning games, not nine inning games. Like you had an extra at bat or from a pitching standpoint, um, everyone's got an opener, you know, like, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the, 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 like offense would probably go down 
drastically because now you don't need as many arms in your bullpen if there's fewer innings to cover. So now you're only seeing the best of the best on mm -hmm. every, you can roll your starter out there for three, four innings. You don't need them to go seven, which I mean, isn't happening now anyway, <laughs> but you'd have them go three, four innings. And then here comes this guy throwing 96, this guy right. throws 98. And then, and then our closer throws 102. So see you later. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. I, I would imagine like offense would just fall off a cliff because you're, you're you're not bringing in that guy that's the you know the last guy on the roster that's barely hanging on that shouldn't really be in the big leagues but everyone mm -hmm. else needs a day off and so we're bringing in this guy and then next thing you know he gives up six runs and it changes the momentum of the entire game and in the series yeah it, I, that would change that would <laughs> change everything more so than just like there's there's less of a time commitment it, it would almost be a completely different sport in a yeah, way well, it would be radical. I agree with you on that. And, and, and again, from the perspective, if you love the game and you want to make sure that it's meeting, you know, the demands of today's consumer, I'm not sure that we don't need, you know, radical changes. And I don't ever want to see, I don't want to see a clock in baseball. Baseball's never had a clock. Uh, the pitch clock is sort of foreign to me. I'd start with one foot in the box, one foot on the rubber, period. You know, you don't get out of the box. Um, that's the way it was in little league. That's the way it was in Babe Ruth. You, you stay in the box and there's that uncomfortable silence, like in media, right. Where you want to fill that gap. Well, if you're forced to stay in the box and you're forced to stay on the rubber, you're going to be, there's going to be some incentive to pitch and keep the game moving. Uh, it doesn't mean they're going to be more doubles, home runs, whatever, but uh, that would be, I would start there. And then I would look at really bigger things like shortening the game. All right. Second to last question here. Um, so uh, going along the lines of engaging fans beyond the core, you know, six, seven and nine inning version of the game, uh, rank these in, 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 in order of importance to you and engaging younger fans in playing the game, watching the game or attending the game. So improved marketing, um, you know, legacy platforms and, and new platforms, the home run derby X, which we haven't yet seen, but is, is coming and is a, you know, truncated version of a you know, variation of the game that's going to be traveling the world. Uh, the show, the video game, the show, gaming, fantasy, uh, rank those in terms of, I want to, baseball wants to engage the consumer. What are those will be most appealing, do you think, to the next generation of fan? Um, did you know that Mike Trout has never been on the cover of the show? No. I, do you know that I just bought the show? for christmas for my son but i wanted to play it yeah i tried playing it it's about as hard as playing real baseball and i'm like i don't have the time for this i can't learn to play this video game so i dropped it but he it plays is hard it, it, is, hard. it is hard but that, that shows you how hard baseball is to play right. baseball is a fucking hard spurt to play it, it is. is ted williams knew it he said it it's the hardest thing to do in sports the round bat the round ball it's Squarely. incredibly hard to play and if you coach it and you see young kids play, you're like, this is a train wreck. I, I, I hate the game. They can't play it. And it would drive you mad. But um, I did not know that Mike Trout was on the show, was, was not on the show. But keep yeah. going. So I interrupted there. What's going what's gonna to most engage fans or get them into the pipeline, into the funnel, the marketing funnel? Um, I think it's more of getting the fans here. 
mm-hmm. you know, like that's where, that's where they are. Um, put the game in front of their face. Uh, I think fantasy is great and all. Uh, I mentioned gambling earlier, but there's, there's age restrictions depending on the States and some States it's not even legal. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's more of uh, getting the game in front of these younger fans that uh, are not seeking it out, you know, <clears throat> like there's not the younger audience is not sitting there being like, oh, let me let me ask my parents if we can get the MLB cable package. Mm-hmm. They're just not doing that. Right. Uh, it's a matter of. Like if I have MLB TV on my phone, I can't watch the Red Sox. If I'm in Boston, I can't do that. It's the blackouts. Like I said earlier, it's the YouTube games, which I believe they only do like once a week and it's in the middle of the week. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I like the idea that they're doing now with uh, the Sunday morning games on Peacock. Peacock. Yeah. 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 Did you I watch like the Red Sox, uh, White Sox the other day? Yep. Or were you there at the games? No, I, I watched it on TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that broadcast was actually really good. Yeah. Um, I like the fact that they they took a White Sox broadcaster and a Red Sox broadcaster and put them in the same booth. And like that's interesting to me. Like, sure. where else are you gonna get that? Yeah, yeah. You know, like my viewing experience is different than probably any person in the world because I have nine TVs on my wall. So when people are like, baseball is boring and like, how do you sit there and watch baseball? And it's like, well, because I don't have time in between action. <laughs> like if, if there's nothing going on on the TV that I'm watching, I can just look at a different TV. So I, I don't yeah. have that like, Oh, paint drying experience of, of watching baseball. And it just being like this, like slow paced game. Cause there's always so much going on that I'm just overstimulated, but with the yeah i like the idea of like the sunday morning thing it's almost like building a tradition it's like yeah on mm-hmm. sunday mornings we watch the sunday morning peacock game and then you you learn something because you do have a broadcaster from from both sides and um it was a good viewing experience i hope i hope they keep that up uh but that's really it you know i it, like obviously like kids love playing mlb the show but i did find it interesting that you said that your son plays the game but doesn't watch the baseball doesn't no would never I've never seen him sit down and watch a Red Sox game, put a Red Sox game on. Haven't. And he'll put the Celtics on. You know, we love the Celtics. Uh, he plays fantasy football, all, all that. I think he plays fantasy baseball, too. Uh, but would Does never... he watch the playoffs? I don't know that he would put it on on his own. I would put it on and he would watch it with me. But would he come down and put it on on his own? I don't know. But I will tell you. Uh, he's not a big hockey fan, but I've seen him put the Bruins playoff games on this week. So maybe his, he, he's kind of increasing um, his fandom as a relate to being able to sit and watch the live product of sports that he doesn't necessarily um, have huge interest. So in. I know he's interested in baseball, um, but I'd have to quiz him up a little bit more on that. Um, last question here. And there was one that popped into my head that I, that I, that I lost. Um, Will baseball reclaim the mantle of the national pastime or is it just going to be in the mix with every other sport for generation Z alpha and beyond big picture question. I don't think there's any way anyone's taken down football ever. I think that that's just, it is what it is. Football's King. We have to accept it. 
Uh, and then it's kind of just a free for all in that second tier. I don't even think it has to be one, two, three, four. I think it's just like, I think it's tiers. Um, I do think that baseball is in that second tier. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like I think, um, like the NBA, they have stars. They know how to market their stars. You could be one of the worst players on the team and you have more social media followers than one of the best players in baseball. Like that's just, mm. that's a thing. Um, why though? Why isn't Mike Trout more fun? And I know Mike Trout's a bad example because he doesn't have, you know, the over the top personality, but I do think his teammate there, Otani does seem yeah. to have a personality and seems to speak English very well. I don't know what that rub was last Last year with Stephen A. Smith, he seems to be very proficient um, and has a lot going for him. But so why why aren't these guys um, as followed on a social perspective as the NBA players or yeah, the NBA players are probably at the top? Uh, I think it's more <clears throat> just they care. They care about their brand. Baseball mm-hmm. players don't care. Baseball players. Uh, some of them do like Mookie Betts is, is with Jordan, like the Jordan mm-hmm. guys, they care. Like David Price was a Jordan guy. I think Sabathia. Um, yeah. but like those guys care about their brand. I think some of them are trying like seeing what other athletes and other sports are doing. Um, like I know Christian Yelich has been working with, uh, Tom Brady's like media company. So like, he's been trying to do some stuff and, wow. But then there's just some guys that are like, yeah, I mean, I show up at the yard and I get my work in and I get my four bats and then I go home. And they go. Some, yeah. Some people like I know a lot of players <clears throat> because and I think maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, they could just hire social media teams, I guess. Um, but a lot of them delete the social media apps from their phones during the season because of, you know, baseball is a sport built on failure. Mm-hmm. like without question the best hitters are going to fail 70 percent of the time yeah, <clears> and yeah. you're playing this game every single day so i mean if you're if 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 you go over four with four strikeouts you think you're gonna hop on twitter and see what people got to say about you no right <laughs> right exactly you're uh, not getting on twitch live streaming your your playing of the show and go you know three for five on the show and after putting up an O for five on the diamond and, and have people just rip you. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah I see base more baseball players like staying away from social media in a way. Yeah. There's not many super active guys in, in major league baseball that are on social media. I, I do wonder um, what Babe Ruth would be like today. Cause he was the showman, right? He was the game and he was bigger than the game. And, you know, obviously it was just a print environment and he had those print writers eating out of the palms of his hands. What would he do? A personality of that type uh, do uh, for baseball right now. And I, and I don't know that anyone could be that guy. He'd probably um, get canceled. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. I didn't think of what I was going to say. It, you were describing that nine screen experience. It sounds like you should be doing MLB's Red Zone channel. And just so doing whip around coverage. Like Are that. you going to be doing like that? Yeah. Yeah. You may, yeah, you may have mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. On, uh, I think starting a week from yesterday, uh, mm-hmm. on Tuesday nights, I'm going to be doing, uh, like a, like a stream where we're watching the games and we're commenting on the games and we're going to put bets in. And, uh, awesome. it's not going to be strictly gambling. It's just, you know, there's, there's some parlay picks that we put out. And then, uh, 
just live reaction to the games. And I think, I think the first person I'm going to have on is Lou Merloni, who was on the baseball show. Yep. Did did the baseball show with Lou for a couple of years. Um, So yeah, it'll be exciting. That's awesome. So where will we find that? Is that on uh, the YouTube channel or is it on draftkings.com? Where are we going to get that? I'm going to, it's, it's going to be on Twitch, but I mean, Twitch, if okay. you, yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, then uh, like I'm going to be tweeting out the links. We'll be tweeting out clips throughout the night and all that stuff. So cool. that's great. Well, Jared, I really appreciate the time when I told my producer that I was going to talk to Jared Carabas. He said, you just delivered that in a manner that was so nonplussed. He's like, Jared is a superstar. And <laughs> you can, you've got him in your phone and you can talk to him. And I'm like, you know, we go way back. Yeah, we know a guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know it did take us some time to put this together, but I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy. Best of luck with the DraftKings uh, play, the 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 Baseball is Dead podcast, the Red Zone uh, thing you got going on. I know DraftKings is pretty exciting to see what they're going to do. Um, and I think, you know, an organization like DraftKings understands what these younger generation of fans want. So you're in that sweet spot and I wish you nothing but success. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. It was good to talk to you and uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Great. I appreciate it. Well, a little note here on the way out here about our sponsor at Suffolk University, Sawyer Business School, your steps away from life-changing internships, career connections, and Fortune 500 companies. Our classroom experiences are enhanced by our location. Being in the center of downtown Boston means you'll be right in the middle of innovation and the city's financial center. The Sawyer Business School offers undergraduate business programs and graduate business programs. Choose from full-time, part-time, online, Saturday, and summer courses. Enjoy small classes taught by professors who bring their expertise and experience to the classroom from right here in Boston, across the country, and around the world. Endless program and degree options are all here waiting for you. Take the next step today. Visit Suffolk.edu. And with that, I will thank Jared again for uh, participating here and talking about the future of baseball. I love baseball. It's the sport, really, I played as a kid. I don't want to see it die. I don't think it's dying. But I think, you know, it's, it's challenged. And, and I hope they do the things they can to bring it to the uh, most number of consumers possible. A thank you to Alex Caruso for his work in producing and promoting this podcast. A thank you to our listeners for taking in another episode of the Amplification Avenue podcast presented by Suffolk University. Please look for future episodes on your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe, share, and rate. As always, I look forward to talking to you and with you again in the future. Till the next time. Thanks very much.